We have an anchor. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. In Matthew chapter 19, I want us to look today at verses 16 through 22 as we think about the theme, the missing link. Is there something missing in your life? Is it possible that what's missing in your life is that job that you've always wanted? Is it possible that what's missing in your life is a degree from a certain college or university? Is it possible that what's missing in your life is a certain kind of car, a house? In Matthew chapter 19, I want to introduce you to a young man that, according to Jesus, something was missing in his life. I would call it the missing link. And there are a lot of folks in our world today that if you were to poll them, they would tell you something is missing. Now many times when we think about what is missing, typically we talk about our, maybe our health, maybe we look at the material side of life. It might be that we focus on the professional side of life. Sadly, and too often, we fail to recognize that what's really, mi what's really missing in life has to do with that spiritual dimension. And so with that in mind, I want you to look with me for a moment or two at Matthew chapter 19. And in our text, I want to begin by talking about the status of this young man. The text tells us that this young man was a ruler. Luke, in his account of the gospel in Luke chapter 18, identifies him as a young ruler. So we talk about his position in life. Some would say that he was a ruler in one of the synagogues. Whatever the case may have been, no doubt, he would have been recognized in the community. I would assume that he was a man of great reputation. In other words, he was well respected by those in the community in which he lived. And then in his narration, Jesus talks about his possessions. Because you see, this fellow was quite wealthy. Now Matthew tells us in verse 22 that he had great possessions. And that word possessions, according to Thayer, means lands, estates, property. It might be the case that much of his wealth was tied up. In other words, it wasn't liquid. Because he was instructed to go and to sell what he had and then give to the poor. Whatever the case, this guy was very wealthy. Luke said he was a rich man. He had a lot going for him. Now there are people in our world today that have 
sizable incomes. They have a lot of wealth. From the vantage point of economics, they are on the upper end of the strata. And yet, it might be the case that those who are rich, those who are prosperous, they fail to, rem to remember the danger that can be associated with riches. You remember Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 said that those who are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and snare and many foolish and hurtful lust which drown men in destruction and perdition. He went on to say, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The bottom line is, there are people that put so much emphasis on their material well-being, they lose sight of God. And so we talk about the danger, but then what about the duty to those who are rich? You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. Whatever we have in life, we are but stewards of it. We possess it for a period of time and then we turn it back ultimately to the giver of all good things. That's God. You see, Paul said we brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. The bottom line is we came with nothing, we'll leave with nothing. So what about the duty of those of us who are rich? Well, Paul would say in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this present world that they be not high-minded or haughty and trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. The bottom line is this. Sometimes people get so caught up in their wealth, they forget about God. They have the idea that they have pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. They don't need anything. They don't need anyone. Certainly don't need God. And yet the Bible reminds us that God is the one who gives us that which we enjoy. The Bible reminds us that those of us who have, we ought to take that and use it for the good of others. So this guy was very wealthy. He had great possessions, as Matthew would tell us. He was rich, as Luke would say. So he was a man of position and a man of great possessions. Now, what about the search of this young man? Was he on a quest? As you look at the conversation he has with Jesus... He expresses a couple of things that I think are noteworthy. First of all, he expresses regard for the character of the Savior, that is, for the character of Jesus. Listen to what is said in verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher. The word good, as used here, has been applied to deity, to God. For example, in Psalm 25, in verse 8. The psalmist said, good and upright is the Lord. Now Jesus here responds by asking this question. Why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. And so here's a guy that has some respect or reverence for Jesus. 
and identifying him as a good teacher, a good master. So, his regard for the character of Jesus. But then there is something else that Matthew tells us, and that is he expresses concern for the well-being of his own soul, for the condition of his soul. Listen to what is asked by this man. Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Is there a more profound question that could be asked by somebody in the human family? I mean, you think about all the questions that somebody could pose. Here's a guy that, first of all, recognizes something special in the character of Jesus. And then, even though he's wealthy, a man of affluence, a man of esteem in the community, he's concerned about the condition of his soul. He wants to know what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. In thinking about this, let me just pause here and ask this question. Where is the emphasis in your life? Now we talk about this young ruler and where the emphasis was in his life. And sometimes when we look at biblical characters and biblical scenarios, we think, it, we think about how it might apply to other people, but what about to us personally? Where is the focus? Where is the emphasis in your life, in my life? Is it on, as Paul would say, the outward man? You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talked about how the outward man is perishing? You ever thought about how much, how much emphasis is placed on appearance by people in our society? Unbelievable. The amount of money that is spent every day on the physical appearance. Now, I don't mean to go out and tread where angels fear to trod. But if you go in a department store, just look at how many women are lined up at the, at the beauty counter, the cosmetic counter, whatever you want to call it. They spend a lot of money on that stuff. Now, you know, in Proverbs 31, the Bible says in one translation, beauty is passing. A lot of money spent on older folks trying to look younger. And there is a lot of money spent by young folks wanting to look better. A lot of, lot of money spent every day in our culture on appearance. And guess what? If you're young, you're going to get old. It happens. And you can try to fight the aging process, but the bottom line is this. Age always wins. We grow older. It's part of life. So, a lot of emphasis on appearance. A lot of emphasis in our world on amusement. We would say pleasure. 
It's all about gratifying self. Paul talks about those who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. would be amazing to know how much money is spent in our country alone by people seeking pleasure or gratification in some form or another. And then there's a lot of emphasis on associations. There are people in our world today that it's all about building a name, building a reputation, expanding that base of associations. Nothing wrong with friends, nothing wrong with associates. But for some people, that's what life's all about. Also think about those who are so caught up in in trying to get personal acclaim, trying to climb the corporate ladder, trying to make a name for themselves in the community or in the state or maybe even in the world. There are people that will literally sell their soul to the devil to get some personal recognition. So where's the emphasis in your life? Is it on the outward man? Well, what about the inward man? The Bible talks about the outward man, the inward man in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Is your life about feeding your soul, building your faith, increasing your faith, developing a greater relationship with God? Is it about growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Is it about trying to live a life that brings honor and glory to God as Jesus would talk about in John chapter 15? When he said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. Is it about living a life of faithfulness? Because you realize that as a child of God, you have a future out there. That future is in heaven. And you're not going to do anything that would risk or jeopardize your eternal life in Christ Jesus. When you come to the end of your life here on this earth. If you have the opportunity to reflect back and think about all the years that have come and gone, will you say, I put all of my emphasis on the outward man? Or can you say, I put my emphasis on the inward man? I realize that I might be, I might be, I realize that I might be here today and gone tomorrow. And ultimately, what's important is going to heaven. So where is the emphasis in your life? I've known a lot of people that have lived faithful lives in Christ Jesus. And they have spent the better part of their lives serving the Lord. Their ultimate goal, to go home and be with God. On the other hand, I have seen a lot of people that have gotten so caught up in the world. They have focused so much on the world 
that they have long since forgotten about eternity, about the hope of heaven, or anything else spiritual in nature. So where's your emphasis? Is there something missing in your life? Let me just thirdly talk about the sorrow of this young ruler. Note, if you would, the narration. He had asked Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, that is God. He said, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Jesus here stressed obedience. Listen to what is said. The young ruler asked, which ones? Jesus responded by saying, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now I want you to listen to what this fellow said. All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Now Luke in his narration of this of this occurrence or this situation said that Jesus said to him, there's one thing you lack. This guy obeyed the will of God, didn't he, in many respects. He was submissive to the will of God. He said to Jesus, all of these things I have kept from my youth up. But Jesus points out an omission in his life. Apparently this guy had a problem. The problem had to do with his wealth, his material goods. Know what is said. If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now note, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This guy had a problem with covetousness. We ask the question, what was missing in his life? What was that missing link? Well, what came between him and the Lord? His possessions. The things he had in this life. He wasn't willing to part with them. Now Jesus had said in Luke chapter 12 verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things he possesses. All he's saying is, look, things don't make you in life. We judge people on the basis of what they have and who they are. And Jesus is saying that's not the criterion upon which we judge people. So there was something missing in this guy's life. If you and I were to go around in this city or maybe city of Memphis, another large city, Nashville, Knoxville, Atlanta, and begin polling people and asking them, what's missing in your life? What do you think they'd say? I think most people would say, I'm missing out on a certain type of job, missing out on a certain kind of material possession, whatever. What's really missing is what's most important, and that's Jesus. 
What was it that separated this fella from Jesus? It wasn't a lot of things. It was one thing. I don't know what might separate you from the Lord. It might be a lot of things. It might be one thing. But one thing can be that missing link that drives a wedge between you and the Lord. So what's missing in your life? Is it Jesus? You ever thought about all of the things that we deal with in life on a daily basis? I think about the turbulence of life and the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations and the pain and all of the things that that go on every single day on planet earth. And I see people that live as if there is no God. And I see people that are living, that are trying to make it and do it on their own. And I don't, I don't know how they do it. Can you imagine living without God in your life, living without Jesus? A lot of people doing it. Wouldn't it be a lot better to live with Jesus in your life? What are some things that people want out of life? Basic needs, right? Now, we talk about food, clothing, and shelter, and those things are important. Let me tell you what's really important. What's really important is to know that I can go to bed at night. And I don't have to toss and turn. I don't have to lie awake at night wondering, are my sins forgiven? If I were to die tonight, am I going to be saved? I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because I've obeyed the gospel. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God because Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. John 8, 24. I repented of my sins because I know Peter said, repent in Acts 2, 38. I confess the name of Jesus before others because I know He said that if I will confess Him before men, He'll confess me before my Father in heaven in Matthew 10, 32. I was baptized into Christ many years ago because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I did what the Lord asked. I'm trying to live a faithful life in Christ Jesus because I understand that this world is running out, wearing down. This life, as I know it, will one day come to a close. Time is running out. And so what I want to do is live in such a way so that I can go to heaven. There are a lot of people that go to bed every night. Jesus is not a part of their life. They don't have forgiveness. They don't have the hope of heaven. Let me tell you what. They don't have any peace in their lives. You say, well, how do you know that they don't have peace in their lives? Because I, I read about people that are self-medicating themselves. Some use prescription drugs. Some use alcohol. Some smoke pot. Others take other forms of narcotics. Why do they do that? Because they're looking for some type of escape. They're tired. They're weary. They're guilt-ridden. They're looking for some kind of release. There's something missing in their life, and they're looking in all the wrong places. You may be here today. Maybe that is a picture of your life. It might be that you've been thinking for a long time 
I don't have any peace in my life. And the peace that I do have is only temporary. There are people that go to bed every night in a drunken stupor. And you know what? When they wake up the next day, aside from a headache, you know what they have? That same old guilt right back on them. That may be you. You may be so bowed down by guilt, you don't have the peace that passes all understanding. What's missing in your life? Where's the focus in your life? I want you to think about something as we close today. Nothing is ever said about this young ruler as to whether or not he parted with his material goods and followed Jesus. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. The Bible says he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He was very rich. And Jesus used that to teach a lesson about the danger of riches and how destructive they can be to the soul. Would you just think about this? One day your life's going to end. Whether you like it or not, it, now it may, it may end at an early age. It, it may end when you are the ripe old age of 85 or 90 years of age. But it's going to end. And when it ends, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationship to Jesus. That is it. If you're outside of Christ, let me tell you what, you don't have any hope. The Bible says you're without hope and without God in this world. We've seen a lot of folks that have left this earth in the past 12 months. Some young and some not so young. But they're gone. And we could ask the question, who's next? It might be you. It might be me. But who's next? Now you think about it individually and personally. Are you next? Will your casket lie right here in front of this podium this year? You say, it'll never happen to me. Don't be so sure about that. I've walked this aisle many times and I've thought a lot about the number of caskets that I've seen lie right here. Yours may be next. And if it is, where will you be? With the Lord? With His people? Or will you be in torment? Only you can answer that question. But I ask you today, what's missing in your life? If Jesus is missing, today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. I want to encourage you to do what they did on Pentecost. Repent. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. The promise is, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Lord will add you to the church, Acts 2, verse 
47. And if you're faithful till death, the Bible says you'll receive the crown of life. You know, it's almost been a year since Andrew Archer sent a text to Jared during Sunday evening services. And he said, I want to be baptized. That was in March. In April, he was gone. Could he have made a better choice? Nope. He made the right choice. And based on that choice, he's in the right place. Nothing missing in his life. What's missing in your life? Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.